bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Sports Edition. Let me bring on my co-host, Gary O'Reilly. Gary, how you doing, man? Hey, Neil. All right. Former soccer pro from the UK mm-hmm. and now retired and uh, yes. serving as uh, our part-time announcer. But you announce other, you actually still announce soccer games, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get to pollute the airwaves. Oh, and, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and tell, tell people who are much younger than me what they're doing wrong and, and sometimes what they're doing right. There so you go. Good. There you go. And Chuck, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I do the same thing as Gary, except without sports attached. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I just tell young people what they're doing wrong and why they uh, suck. Uh, <laughs> so, Gary, what did you cook up, you and your producers cook uh, up for today? All right. Um, we recently, or you recently, did an explainer. How fast can a car accelerate? Um, and it triggered a lot of interest and, and you know, a real amount of interest. And our this audience is our, This were, is our spinoff, just the 10-minute explainer. 10, yeah, 15 minute and explainer. It's, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been phenomenally successful, but this one really did sort of grab a, a certain audience. Mm-hmm. And they, they were asking, you know, get someone from Formula One on, get someone from NASCAR on. We want to know everything that's going on. Talk, 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 talk. And, um, well, FYI to all of our audience, we're working on that. Okay. So hopefully <laughs> we'll have both those boxes ticked in the coming months. Mm-hmm. So uh, stand by, be ready. Um, while we wait for those to drop, um, I'm going to pop the hood. Uh, take a look inside and find out how and why cars are doing not to 60 in under three seconds, which is bonkers for me growing up with things that did it in nine. Wait, for Americans, not means zero, okay? Yes, yeah, sorry. Zero not, to 60. Zero. But, but first, I mean, I suppose really in the classic sense, we need someone to come along and kick the tires. So we found that person, and that person is Jason Fenske. Now, if I've pronounced that correctly, congratulations me. If I haven't, my apologies, Jason. You did great. Uh, he's a Thanks, Gary. Mecha- oh, you did great. Yay. <laughs> um, English isn't my first. Oh, yes, it is my first language, yes. Um, he, he's a mechanical engineer. He's a YouTube car guru. I'll, I'll, I'll dip, explain it that way. And he is founder, owner, and host of the Engineering Explained channel on YouTube. And this channel is so popular. It's got a three and a half million subscribers and has been on the air for about the last 12 years. So, uh, Neil? Well, wait, so, so that's Jason. not even what's impressive, okay? Mm-hmm. Three and a half million, so what? The total number of views to all of his videos is more than yeah. 600 million. So yes. we're, we're talking serious, serious access 
into people's yeah. gearhead ways in in the world. Yeah, but so most Jay of that Luke, most of that was one guy without a life. <laughs> Chuck cool. speaks the truth. Uh, uh, I appreciate you having me. What I like here was the introduction of the audience wanted someone from Formula One, so we reached to the bottom of the barrel and found this guy. On the we internet. found an engineer. Oh, found an oh. engineer. Yeah, we've got we've got these things in the pipeline, Jason. So yeah, that really gonna couldn't keep our audience waiting any longer. Yeah, so I, I don't think to, that. I think his point was. Um, your intro sucked. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't no, think, I think you put me in my deserved place. <laughs> no, 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 we're joking. All right, so so here's the thing. I put out a, a, a what we call an explainer video, which is random stuff in our civilization that I think could benefit from highlighting the physics that's going on in it. And one of and, them was, you know, what's the maximum uh, a car can accelerate under sort of normal conditions? And when you do that with sort of a, a frictional coefficient of one, and a, which is rubber on concrete or, or asphalt, which is a very high friction level there, you come up with more than three seconds, but not much more. And yet we realize that there's some cars that are doing better than that. Mm. And the only way I understand that from my physics background is that the car is somehow attaching itself to the road and going beyond the coefficient of friction of one, maybe getting more than one as a coefficient of friction, as from a dead stop, uh, zero to 60 mm. acceleration. So we're trying to find out here from you, is that right? Were my calculations correct? And what is the future of this sort of acceleration crown that is currently owned by uh, my record show here, a Tesla 2021S? 2.06 Yeah, Model seconds. S, I think, is current fastest. And I like your calculation methodology here. I think it's very cool. And yes, if you look at like, okay, if you have one G, if you have one gravity pulling down on that car, that's your max Excel, right? Up, um, up over so three seconds, you, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, that gives you like something like 2.7 seconds, I believe it is, mm -hmm. uh, as your like theoretical limit. And yet we know it's possible to beat that. Not only because it's done, but like you can look at a car and say, okay, we have cars that have decelerated from 60 miles per hour to zero in less than 100 feet. And so that means the average acceleration or deceleration in this case is greater than 1G. They're, they're doing what seems impossible. So what, what you described is correct in that wait, wait, tires... You, wait, that can happen if you crash into a wall. Yeah, I was going to say. No, really it can bad. happen that, if you crash into a wall. Is that how we, that how we walked it out? <laughs> but we're doing, this, we're doing this purely with tires. This, this, oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. Okay, gotcha, okay. gotcha. Slow down with tires. All right, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. All right. I mean, you, you, the reverse is true also, right? Like you can put a rocket on the back of a car and then you're no longer limited by tires in your acceleration. Correct, uh, correct. But as far mm -hmm. as street legal tires, our, our today's limit is about two seconds. Um, car companies have said they beat that. Uh, they're lying because there's this old industry standard of how we test zero to 60 that actually starts at like six miles per hour. So it's nonsense. So you're really right. getting a rolling start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's what it's called. It's called rollout. And you get... Everyone deletes the first foot and says the first foot doesn't count. Uh, and the first foot should count if it's a zero to 60. If it's yeah. a six to 60, all right, fine. Um, yeah, yeah, but, plus, but plus the, Jason, the, your timings here are to the hundredth of a second. So these things matter. Yes. Right? This yes, Tesla we exactly. have in 2.06 seconds, the Ferrari, uh, Le Ferrari SF90 at 2.1 seconds, the Porsche 911 
Turbo S lightweight, 2.24 seconds. So, yep. And, that's, and uh, likely these numbers you're seeing are with rollout deducted. So the real number would be about 0.2 to 0.3 seconds longer than what those numbers say. Um, okay. So for example, when this Tesla got the record and they said it was like 1.99 seconds, the actual time was like 2.3 seconds. You know, and they were like, we broke two seconds. And that like, is, you didn't, but it's cool. It's I, still cool. I, I just got to tell you that that's kind of like an a-hole Elon Musk Here thing comes to an do. Elon joke. Okay. Yeah, I feel it coming. Go on. Get it oh, out no, of your system. No, Chuck. that was it. I'm just saying. That just seems, out of your so, system. seems so very Elon. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, He's not okay. the old, in his defense. No, not no, that I, he know the, defense. I know it's the standard. A in lot the of yes, exactly. I know. I know. Porsche doesn't do it, so props to Porsche. Like nice. we can direct positive uh vibes towards Porsche for doing it right. Now, how mad how mad was Ferrari that Tesla beat them in a zero to 60. That's got to piss them off. Oh. Yeah. And it's interesting too because it's like you can spend $3 million on a car or you can spend $100,000 on a car and they both hit 60 in the same amount of time. Like, that's a bummer, right? Like, that's how right. electric cars have really brought uh, the, the price disparity down from performance just, I didn't. Cars. I didn't make that announcement. So, of course, the Tesla is electric. The Ferrari is hybrid. And the Porsche was internal combustion. So we're actually comparing three different kinds of motors yeah. here. Right. Okay. Yes. All right. So Jason, how do you, what do you, how are you cheating to beat the, the acceleration of 1G? What are you doing to arrive at that? Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question and it's like, it's difficult. I don't know. I guess it's a good answer, but if you think about like how does a tire work? Like, how does a gear work, for example? A gear works by, by meshing within a groove and you can push against that, right? And a tire works in a similar way where it meshes into the road. So it can push laterally against the road, uh, whether that's for decelerating, accelerating, cornering, whatever. So you can exceed, you know, that 1G if you were to just assume a perfectly smooth surface, one sitting on the other. I don't see how you can exceed... 1G if it's one smooth rubber on any other smooth surface, unless it's gummy and it's sticky. So, so, so in other words, well, if you had a textured surface, then like, yes. you, like you said, the gears, then the rubber can dig into the texture yes. and then push yes. off of it the way gears would. And then you're not limited to the friction. At Correct. That point. Okay. But when you, when you want that texture to be on the road and not on the tire? Correct. Because if the tire yes. is completely flat and the road is textured, then you get the road digging into the tire. But if the mm. tire is textured yes. and the road is flat or even textured, you don't get as much uh, grabbing. I don't think it matters. Okay. As long as one intersects the other, right? Okay. But Jason, that's why we have you here. Talk, Exactly. Jason. But like, so the, the rubber is soft, right? The road is hard. So the rubber is the one that kind of goes into the grooves of the road. So the rubber is a, the road is very rough surface. You have, you know, softer rubber gives you a better lot. And so you have that rubber sink into the road and then, you know, it propels you forward like a, like a gear could. If it was a gear sitting on, you know, a, a, like a pinion, um, right. rack and pinion type system where the wheel is, you know, the pinion and the rack is on the ground and then you accelerate using that gear. Just using rubber instead of a gear and, and that rack. So the best uh, case scenario would be to go zero to 60 on tires made of chewing gum. No, <laughs> <laughs> which flavor? <laughs> oh, it's got to be bubblicious. It's got to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 Jason. So, 
are they doing this on the same track? Mm. And does yeah, that track so have nicks and dings in it? And are they using the same rubber tires? Because if none of those are the same, then we're not comparing which Apples, car can accelerate. We're not really correct, doing correct. it. It's, it's all silly. It's all for hubris, right? Like, that's why we do these comparisons. Um, Chuck is kind of right about the chewing gum thing and that in drag races, they will actually like spray down essentially glue so that when you launch, your tire is sitting on this glue right at the very start. So you get a really good start. Um, so that is done. And that is the way that Tesla says that they got their 1.98 second or whatever it was. And so it's like, okay, it was done on a drag strip. You deleted some time and you used glue. It's like, so once you put all these into like context, it's like, well, you can just take a drag tire, which is much more capable than street tires, and you can beat two seconds all day long. And then they right. forgot to mention they forgot to mention they also use the Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> so that what we're discussing here. We did. All right. Yeah. Elon Musk has become dick dastardly out of wacky races, right? So there's nothing he can't do, he won't do to well, I don't understand that sentence. Say that again. Do you know they see the animation wacky, wacky races. races? Oh. Oh, oh dig, okay. Dig okay. dastardly. Dig dastardly. Yeah. Okay. Dig dastardly Sorry, with a double O. One. Okay, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. You were too busy being scientific. Okay. The rest of us <laughs> were wasting our time in front of the TV, obviously. So, okay, Jason, before we get to the rubber on the t on the surface, sure. what what between a, an electric motor and an inter internal combustion engine is different that makes this thing go put so much power and energy in there that it can do this sort of speed? So what's the difference really there? What's going on? Because I don't, I don't personally understand that much. So please Fundamentally, there's a different energy source, right? Like a battery versus a fuel tank. But as far as mm. how they accelerate, I think there's, there's two key differences between a combustion engine and an electric motor. The electric motor, uh, in how they behave, I should state. Yeah. So the electric motor is going to have torque immediately. So uh, it, it starts wow. out, its torque curve at zero is basically peak torque, and it remains that way until you're limited in power. So you get all of your torque immediately, right at the beginning when the car isn't moving. A combustion engine requires a certain RPM. So it has to rev up to a certain RPM in order to reach that peak torque. So you, you have a delay there in when uh, not only when you are able to reach your maximum acceleration, but also delay in when you ask for it versus when you receive it. So that's the second difference being the response of an electric motor hey, I want these electrons to move. They do that very quickly. The response of a combustion engine, I want this air that's in an intake to then go into a cylinder, get pulled down, get compressed, explode. You're asking for that to happen. And of course, that can't be an instant process. So mm -hmm. as far as response... Wait, and then it's got to the turn the piston, which goes to the crankshaft, which goes to the thing, which goes to the wheel. All that's got to happen. Exactly. Yes, it's yeah. a long process. So when you press that pedal down, Whichever go pedal it is, gas or electric, uh, the electric one is going to respond so much quicker than the gas one because so many more things have to happen for that combustion uh, to start happening and to react to what you asked it to do. Mm. All right. One thing electricity is really good at is rotating things. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's, you know, that's what turbines are. That's what just rotate. That's all it wants to do. And that's what it does best. So whereas gasoline, you got to, like, you need your Rube Goldberg device to end up turning your wheels at the end of that, yes. end of that path. Right. 
Yeah, we use reciprocating motion to create circular motion with combustion engines versus circular motion to create circular motion with electric motors. Exactly. Perfectly worded. Perfectly worded. The rotary engine does exist, Ah, and Mazda did just bring it back in Europe. Commercial. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which, by the so, way, no one bought into. Like, not the I way remember they thought. That. They were like, it's a rotary engine. And America was like, so what? Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, so well, describe, tell us about the Wankel engine. Well, uh, the, one of the big flaws is that it burns oil by design. So you actually inject oil into the combustion chamber where this rotary is spinning. Um, but it's very different in that a traditional engine, you have a piston that moves up and down. Uh, you have four strokes, and that gives you your combustion process. You still have these four cycles in a rotary engine, intake, compression, power, exhaust, but it's all done with this little Dorito that spins inside of a housing, and so it has <laughs> rotational motion from the start. Oh, no, so it's a three-sided you, rotating yeah. thing, a Dorito. Yeah, You mentioned food. That's it. Chuck's going to be gone <laughs> for a while yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now his, mind, never, his mind's going to wander. I never now knew he's I liked, interested I, in it I again. never knew I liked rotary engines until just now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to give a geopolitical historical fact here, if I may. Uh-huh. This is a, a public service announcement. Uh, the Wankel engine, I remember when Mazda introduced it, the big selling point was, a big selling point, was that it had one-third or two-thirds fewer parts, fewer moving parts yes. than a regular engine, which meant it would not break down as often. And <laughs> in a world where cars broke down, this was a highly desired feature. That was before cars, even internal combustion engine cars, were so reliable that no one is worried in the morning. But Jason, I don't know how old you are, but I'm old enough to remember. There was a chance every morning that your car might not start. There was a chance, okay? And you did not always know if you'd get to work on time in your own car. So this was a selling point at a time when car engines basically Fail. Cars would be on the side of the road with the hood open. That doesn't happen anymore. So if if that's no longer a selling point, why would anyone want a Wankel engine? That's my question back to you, Jason. Well, um, I think like uh, the enthusiast spirit is probably the, the real answer of like why someone might want it today. Unfortunately, they brought it back as a range extender. So I don't think that's what people were looking for. Okay, but more um, miles per gallon. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So basically just to generate electricity. Uh, the advantage Mazda sends is its size. So they're very compact because you have three chambers where combustion uh, is basically this, this four-stroke cycle is occurring in three separate places at any given time. Whereas in a, you know, a piston cylinder engine, if you have one cylinder, you have one place where that's happening. So you can have really good power density, meaning the, the engine can be very small and compact. That's its biggest advantage. Um, it has emission, emissions disadvantages up until this point. Maybe Mazda has uh, created some tricks for the one that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there aren't there aren't a, there are huge upsides to it returning, other than it's cool. You All lost right. me so, at wanker. That's the problem. <laughs> There's an L on the end. There. Wankel, wankel oh, engine. Never, oh, let, oh, never let the truth get in the way of the game. Different. All right, guys, One we got to take, take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Jason about, is there anything that's limiting the top speed of cars at all? Uh, where does that go? Where does that land? When we come back with our special guest, Jason Fenske, on Star Talk Sports Edition.
Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true ebay motors is here for the ride elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own led headlights spoilers whatever you need ebay motors has it at affordable prices and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply We're back, Star Talk Sports Edition. Today, we are not up in the hood. We are <laughs> under the hood. <laughs> hey. Oh, caught me by surprise on that no, one. I've got to tell the Chuck. truth. Got to tell no, no. the truth. Okay. So we, we're, we're up under the hood uh, with Jason Fenske. And Jason, you have a whole platform, uh, Engineering Explain. Could you just give us a minute? Yes. Tell us what that is. Sure. So the idea started back when I was in college um, about 12 years ago. and Majoring I in? This, majoring in mechanical engineering. There you go. I thought go I, for it. I thought I might actually learn something about cars uh, while I was getting this major, and I didn't. I just did a bunch of math problems. So that was kind of disappointing. So I created this platform, which was basically taking the intimidation out of cars um, from an engineering standpoint. They're, they're very complicated. So the platform essentially is how do cars work from an engineering standpoint uh, in a bunch of videos, um, just kind of breaking it down to bite-sized, uh, digestible pieces of information. I love it. I love it. A very popular uh, YouTube destination with like a zillion viewers, uh, views of all of the uh, all of the videos. We're not posted. at a billion yet, so I don't think I can say a zillion, but it would be okay. cool to well, achieve ah, a billion. Ah, <laughs> a zillion is just some number bigger than you remembered to say. But yeah, when you Great. get a, when you hit a billion, come back here. We'll teach you how to say the word. Yeah, great. <laughs> All right, so so Jason, tell tell us what. Uh, wait, I don't think you answered me from the first segment. Oh, um, I do that. Is there some feature of the track, or was it glue they sprayed on the tires only for that two second acceleration compare comparison? Um, where all three cars, the the Tesla, the Ferrari, and the. Uh, Porsche were coming in at around two seconds. Mm. Why don't they just Excellent why don't they just dig grooves? Why don't they just dig grooves into the track? Um, just, just that would admit. be a train. Yeah. That would just make it a train. <laughs> so, like the the big companies that do this testing, aside from you know the the, the brands themselves, like Car and Driver Motor Trend, the big names in in doing mm. these tests, they do things consistently. So they have their one track that they do it at. They apply atmospheric weather corrections to their numbers. 
Um, they, so there is a, there is a standard in place so that you can say, this is fair to compare these two. You're on different tires. So that alone, like, means they're going to have differences, right? Uh, it's whatever right. tire the t- car company chose to put on them. Um, and some, some companies will be, you know, a little mischievous here and say, like, we offer this tire, um, and it, as the, like the sports package, so they can get these good numbers. And then realistically, they want you to get a different tire or something like right, that. Right, right. Um, a, a, a more road-friendly tire for, for your life. But yeah, I right. think for, in the example with Tesla, they picked the track where they said it had to be done at. They said it needed to use this glue. They wouldn't let Motor Trend do it at their own facility until later Motor Trend argued enough. And then eventually they let them do it. Um, yeah, and then they got different numbers. And that's where the, the real number of 2.3 comes from. Okay, so... We all know, or you may have paid attention, uh, it started maybe 15 years ago on off-ramps that have a sharp curve. There are grooves in the road that enable the car, to, that prevent the car from sliding off into the railing on the outer edge of that turn. And those grooves came from NASA when they wanted to make sure the space shuttle, when it landed, because it doesn't, it's, it lands with no engine, Right, so it's just parachutes and some brakes, so it, it can't reverse the thrust of the engine to slow down. So space shuttle runways are very long. They wanted to make sure that the shuttle wouldn't drift from crosswinds or anything, so they grooved it. Upon learning how effective that was, that became part of our road design for wow exits that where you're coming from high speed and you have to get to low speed. My question to you, Jason, is I thought it was just uh-oh. lazy road. I didn't even know this, but now I'm going to get a question about it. Yeah, so now, now just check it out. And, and somewhere there's been a risk from before, there are these grooves. So the rubber cannot slide sideways against it easily, all right? You will not skid sideways uh, when you have grooves because the rubber is digging in, just like you said earlier, Jason, with the gearing. My yes. question to you is, if you make a speed track where those grooves are now sideways to you, okay? They're not mm. in the direction you're going. They're at right angles. Now the yes. tire can dig in like grooves of a of a of a gear and now you could sky's the limit in the acceleration it would seem to me you're right you're right i think that would work i didn't know about the grooves thing i had always thought it was just a wear thing because i guess some vehicles have different track widths um so it would be difficult to say this is the set groove for everyone uh but you're you're absolutely right about the tire thing and in fact um in off-road tires so with, with most tires that, that are come on our cars, the tread is all basically on the outside of that tire, the part that touches the ground. On off-road tires, you'll see that tread come down on the sidewalls. And so the mm, reason wow. for that is because off-road, you may be coming up to a rock. And so, you know, that rock has, let's say, a 90-degree angle. You want to use all the grip you have. So you'll use both contact surfaces, whether it's the right side of the tire or beneath the tire, to climb up I never up thought it. about so you that. You can do something very similar with grooves in a track. Okay. That's just which is why when if you it was watch just those, a straight line. When you look at those YouTube videos, you it looks like these these off-road trucks are Spider-Man. They're literally climbing up rocks. It's right, so right. weird. Mm. My sister has a car that can do that. Right. It's it's each each wheel can be independently not only suspended as just that's easy, but they can also turn differently. I mean it's 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 crazy. Yeah, they all have steering. Yeah. They all have steering. steering right. It's wheel. like the yeah. thing is, yep. yeah. it is alive. You know, it's trying wow. to get out of it. All right. That so, is... Jason, I'm finally rested on the acceleration questions. So now, let me ask you: um, Why are how come no one's going 300 miles an hour on a racetrack? What's going on there? Have we not? Yet. So, 
Um, I guess maybe we haven't. I think there's a, a few car companies that have products that say it can be done. I thought um, Bugatti I hit 300. Yeah, I think I think Bugatti did hit, hit 300. I don't want to say things. And yeah, it's going to look poorly now, no matter what, because I don't know. Uh, but I think Bugatti did do it. They they have the capability. Uh, there's a few other cars out there that are capable. And essentially, it's a power question um, uh, and not a tire question, which is kind of fun. You're you're limited mm. by aerodynamic drag. So however much power you put in your car and however small you make it, the smaller you make it, the less drag it's going to have. The more aerodynamic you make it, uh, the less drag it's going to have. And, and, and then the us, more power you give tell it. Tell us how drag scales with velocity. With speed? So the force of drag is uh, the equation has velocity squared in it. Power is force times velocity. So power is velocity cubed. Uh, so when it comes to aerodynamic drag, the force coming against you uh, is increasing with a squared exponent uh, as you reach higher speed. So it's very difficult to overcome. You need a lot more power each time you want to go a little bit faster. Yeah, so... so in other words, so the air resistance against you is significant at high speeds and practically ignorable at low speeds. Is that a fair statement there? Yes. Yes, exactly. So in like with zero to 60 times, um, one thing that you can use to help in acceleration is downforce. But you don't have that uh, at low speeds because you don't really have much aerodynamic drag. There's nothing helping to push your car down on the ground because you could use downforce to theoretically have greater acceleration. If you have a big force pushing your car down, then that means the amount of grip you have is greater, and thus you can accelerate faster. Is it is it cheating to draft a car uh, above that above the speed? Oh, uh, I don't I don't think they allow it. As far as like, if you say you got the record and you were just you know behind a seven forty seven. By the way, I I told you I told I said this story in one other episode. I'm going to say it again. Uh, I had a car where you could see what your instantaneous miles per gallon was, all right? Yes. All cars can do that, right? Most today can. So I was always fascinated by that. What was my miles per gallon as I went uphill? What was it as I was going horizontal? Yes. I was downhill, obviously. The miles per gallon goes up very high. And I said, let me try something. And I took the car and I drove, I would say dangerously close, I don't recommend this at home, to an 18-wheeler truck. And as I got closer and closer, I'm on a level road now, and I was getting 24 miles per gallon, which was the advertised yep. sort of highway uh, uh, mileage for this car. As I got closer, it then said 28 miles per gallon, 30, 35, 50, 100, infinity. It could not, <laughs> I, when I was within 12 feet of the of the back door of the, of the car, the car, you I, created I, a perpetual motion machine I, in that it moment. It was like, holy <laughs> shit. I'm, I'm using no energy right now, but now I can't just, you know, text my friend to tell them that because I'll die if the truck stops short. But it was, uh, that drafting is, is something. I mean, that's very real phenomenon. Yes. You know, uh, a similar comparison, if you think about wake surfing, so a boat is going along and you're surfing the wake of that boat. You're using no energy, right? You're not using anything to propel you. You're using the energy of the vehicle in front of you. So that truck can have a wake behind it of this like suction because it's punching this giant hole in the air and then it's creating this suction behind it. Perhaps some of that suction could even be pulling you, uh, meaning, yeah, your your energy use could be, could be zero uh, if you had the perfect design. And I would add that many people don't get this right, and you probably see this, Jason, that 
when you draft off of someone else, you make them more efficient. You're not. Yes, exactly. They say, Both get of off you my win. back. I don't want to drag you. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm making you more aerodynamic by coming behind yep. and disrupting the vacuum that would otherwise be pulling you backwards. This I don't think we should excuse tailgating. Yeah. I think what we're going to do right now is create a dangerous uh, precedent <laughs> yes. for drivers to just like screw that. Gas is high. Neil, oh, gas Neil is says high. Gallon. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. Okay, Jason, go back to the the electric vehicles for the time being. Sure. I mean, we've seen it on in combustion engine. Man went. I need to make this thing go faster. And yeah. the tur the turbo. Is there such yes. a thing that you can bring into an electric motor that has a similar effect? Because if we're talking about cars that go fast, we are looking mainly at electric vehicles now. Well, don't, you know, no, yeah. wait, don't confuse acceleration with top yeah, speed. So, so acceleration, but right. now we need to top. Now we need to get a top speed up for for these sort of things. Are we? Do you? Is there an equivalent for the? Turbo I like this question. Motor? Uh, yeah. And and my initial thought about it is no, but but. There, there's still kind of a way, right? Like, um, the, the question is, can you get more power out of out of a motor? Mm -hmm. uh, and and you can with electric motors, just like you can with uh, you know combustion engines. Um, it, it's simply a matter of heat, and, and eventually that heat means the device fails, whether it's a combustion engine or an electric motor. I think the, the answer to your question, as it relates to electric cars, is a bigger battery, because basically what happens with batteries is that there is a certain discharge rate which we say is acceptable whatever that may be uh, and so if you have a small battery on a per cell basis that one individual cell there's a maximum limit of power that can go out of it so if you have more cells that means there's a greater maximum power so simply the size of the battery here so that is why we just, see just, all these to records today it is it yes is literally what a battery the word battery means it's like a series of these cells, right? When you say I have a battery yes. of armor, it's it's a so that is the we think of battery yes. as, as a Duracell, right? But it is literally the sequence of these cells. Go on, I had to slip that in there. Yes, yes, no, that's very fair. So the more of these you have, which is why you see cars like you know the Tesla or the Porsche Taycan or the Lucid Air uh, hitting these records, it's because they have massive battery packs. You won't see a small battery vehicle hitting these giant numbers. And the reason is the battery is too small, so it doesn't have as much power to discharge. Um, so it's it's very different from like a fuel tank because no one goes, oh, the size of my fuel tank is huge. Like no one cares, whatever you can drive far, cool. That doesn't impact how much power you can make. How much power you can make is impacted by how quickly you can put that fuel into your engine. Versus but Jason, we're car, talking, now we're, now we're jacking the yes. weight up. Now, 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 the blessing, now the blessing becomes a curse. Well, it's disappointing. It's it is <laughs> it's disappointing because there's not this small single device like a turbo that you throw in and you know suddenly you're making 50% more power. It's like you can you can tune uh the the battery to to go to a higher discharge rate and you can put more power in your motor. It doesn't mean that will be reliable. It doesn't mean your things will last as long, uh, but it can be done um above like, you know, there's there's limits uh that we say this is safe. And it will last us 200,000 miles. No, no. Now I got to bring course. Gary's question back in. And so the point is, yeah. what you're saying is I can go faster, all other things being equal, if I have a bigger battery. Because then I have more energy yes. to draw from. However, yes. however, now I'm going really fast, but I'm in the 
in the in a very high air resistance regime. A. Yes. B. The mass of the car is huge now. Yes. Is, is there some plateau where there's no faster speed an electric car can go because the the battery hmm. have to be too damn large? That's a great question. I don't know what the limit would be, but but I mean, I think it would be quite high because you can just think about something that's very long and narrow, right? Like a train. Like if if you have the space to do it. Uh, I think putting practical limits on that question could make it fun. If you have the space to do it, like there's so much energy you can put in a battery and you you can make it really long. And and so you could have this absurd number that could happen. But like that would happen on city streets, uh, you know, within a mile of distance. Yeah, then it becomes a much more fun question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is yeah. this the challenge now for car designers? Or unless it's battery designers in in well, that are separate from the car designers not themselves. Not really, because think about it right now. I mean, what's the top speed on these electric cars? It's like yeah. it's a buck, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, like how much more do you want to? I mean, how much faster do you really want a car to go? And Chuck, how many people do you who, think are asking that question right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, but who, I who, want who, this who, thing who, to go what, faster. What, what, what municipality? What government is going to say? Oh yeah, bring your. Bring your 300 mile an hour, you know, uh, <laughs> electric car, mass produce that and put it on the street. No, no, oh, Germany, no government is Germany for one. The Autobahn. Uh, autobahn. The, okay. the left lane. Yeah, the I, you got me. I forgot about the Autobahn. Well, no, that's fine. Yes, but that's let's fine. be honest. They are Germans. They're very restricted people. Okay. <laughs> let's be clear. They're the only people so, on earth that you can give no speed limit and they actually respect the fact that there's no speed limit. <laughs> I mean, okay, I think so Chuck now, raises an excellent point, though, in that yeah. I think realistically, if you were to ask someone who drove, let's say, one of these insanely fast uh, electric cars, do you want it to be faster? They might want it to be lighter. They might want it to handle better. But I don't necessarily think they're going to say, oh, I, yeah, it wasn't quick enough for me. It's like, this is as quick as it gets. And keep in mind, no one mentioned this, that at some level, it's not how fast you can go. Does the car still maneuver at those right. speeds? Can, can you exactly do things it, it in the car? It goes 260 miles an hour, <laughs> but it doesn't turn. It doesn't, doesn't turn. turn. Can't yeah. have the straight line. <laughs> and, and the only way to stop, the, the brakes won't work because they're not hard. See, the thing is for me now, is it not then top speed that we is now we are now calling our holy grail for EVs? Is it... I need to. Th I need this thing to go cross country. I yeah, need a range. thousand I think plus range. miles out of range. this. Yeah, range. range more it's than all speed. about range. I yeah. got to tell you, Neil has a very cool uh, electric vehicle, and the mm. first time I was in it, he scared the bejesus out of me. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to rub the brown stains off the. Off the <laughs> 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 I've never. I'm listen. I ride motorcycles. And Ooh. it's the closest thing to a motorcycle acceleration that I've ever experienced yeah. in a it car. It was there for you. It's just there. It's, it's just, just it always there. Yeah. You need it. Guys, we got to take a quick break. When we come back in the third segment, uh, Jason Fenske will tell us what is the future of fuel and energy that's going to drive us uh, on the countryside or on the racetrack when Star Talk Sports Edition continues. <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. This one is up under the hood. <laughs> How do cars work? How do engines work? We've got Jason Fenske from Engineering Explained. There's an entire universe, an entire culture he built around his expertise in mechanical engineering and his interest in cars, which is a beautiful place to hang out, especially if you're a car geek, as so many people are. So, Jason, I want to just sort of lead off with uh, just a reflection on some a bit of physics history. So, for the longest while, we had the steam engine. It was great. And the first automobiles had steam engines in them, all right? Of course they would. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, before the internal combustion engine was was perfected by, I guess, Carl Benz. But my point here is, people said, I got an engine. I can convert chemical energy into kinetic energy. Why don't I make an airplane out of this? Okay? So they started trying to design airplanes with steam engines. And they found out that steam engines just weren't powerful enough. So they said, let's build a bigger steam engine. And so they build a bigger steam engine. What are they doing? They're, they're heating coal or wood. It boils water. The water evaporates, creates a steam pressure that drives a turbine or drives whatever it is you need it to drive. The point is that steam engines that were powerful enough to fly an airplane made the airplane too heavy to fly. Mm. Period. And it was, it was this weird, frustrating fact. And um, Langley, in fact, has whole books attempting to fly using steam engines. And this didn't work, and Plan B didn't work, and there he is scratching his head. And it was not until the internal combustion engine, which got a lot of energy in a small volume, could then be uplifted by the Wright brothers into the Wright flyer, and that gave us airplanes. And so... I, I'm just fascinated, Jason, when you describe the fact that, yeah, if you want to make your electric car go faster, just give it a bigger battery. And at some point, I'm saying, that's not going to work. You're going to top out. But anyway, that was just my historical note there. But let, let's continue this. Jason, what's the future of fuel here? What are we talking about? Yeah, so I think, like, let's take this... Um, if you think about airplanes, and you brought up airplanes, and, it, and it's a great point, it is very difficult to have commercial flight today uh, using electric power because energy density is not there. Jet fuel puts a ton of energy into a very small amount of space, not much weight. Uh, electric car batteries are massive, they're super heavy, and they don't have that much energy. To, to give people an idea, um, say, it's, take a modern Tesla with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack. That's about three gallons of gasoline. So this is an object that weighs over a thousand pounds and it has the energy equivalence of about three gallons of gas. In other words, about 20 pounds of gas. Mm -hmm. That's a huge difference, right? Now, electric mm. cars are way more efficient. So there's an advantage there and that when they come, when they, uh, when gasoline combusts, you're at maybe 33% efficiency. Uh, if you're doing well, you know, an electric motor can be at 95% efficiency. So you can triple your efficiency, but you still have to have this giant object. So the challenge is, is going to be weight. Just to say that another way. So you have the same energy in, in an electric battery and in your three gallons of gas. The three gallons of gas, yep. like you said, weighs 20 pounds. The, 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 the battery weighs 1,000 pounds. However, yep. 
you'll get many more miles out of those thousand pounds for the same amount of energy in the battery than you would have out of the gasoline. Yes. Just because of the efficiency of the yes. motor. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yes, exactly, which is why we don't have three-gallon gasoline cars, right? They're, like, they're 12, 15, 20-gallon, so you can actually drive well, a motorcycles, distance. How, how, how big is a motorcycle tank? Three, it's that's three-gallon. Yeah, those right? are small. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm. yeah, okay, go on. Mm-hmm. So as far as, as far as, hey, can we solve this airplane problem without using gasoline? Um, there are ways to do it. Hydrogen is one fuel which we can use, and we're experimenting with cars. There's been production cars that use hydrogen, uh, I believe, actually. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that statement, but, but no, hydrogen, no, you're right. Yes, you're right. There are. Hydrogen so, fuel, fuel cell, as far as like the Mirai, the fuel cells. Um, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, Honda Clarity. Uh, and so then from hydrogen, there's also another step you can take because hydrogen itself is not very dense. So, if we go back to our analogy of we've got three gallons of gas. We've got, uh, you know, a thousand pounds of battery. One gallon of gasoline stored the way we store hydrogen today, which is like as a high pressure gas, is about, we need about seven gallons of hydrogen. So you still need a lot of space. Hydrogen is very light. That's a good thing, but it takes up a huge amount of space. So, you know, if you have a 10 gallon tank in your car, you now need a 70 gallon tank to go the same distance. So you need a bubble uh, butt. You need a bubble butt on your car. Mm. Yes. Hydrogen yes. is also and very flammable. I was going to say, isn't is is the hydrogen going to lead to a, you know, a car that basically you name oh the humanity. No, no oh, the, the, yeah. the humanity. <laughs> the, the Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. No, no, but I, but yeah. yeah, Jason, hydrogen is flammable, but so is gasoline. So what what's the trade-off yes. here? Well, the trade-off is that, oh, and it's actually on, this is my, my whiteboard uh, combustion on hydrogen, but as you burn uh, hydrogen with oxygen, your only emissions is water, water. so H2O. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the big advantage in that you don't have CO2 produced uh, as a byproduct of this combustion product. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, that's the advantage. Is, and is hydrogen it, more volatile than gasoline? I mean, because uh, Neil brings up a great point. They're both mm. combustible. So is, yes. is one more volatile? They're, they're, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, you want to totally test it? In in a, no, no, I'll tell you, I can tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So if you have a, 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 a basin of gasoline and you toss mm, in a yes. match, uh, it'll first light the vapors, all right, because there's a lot of gasoline-oxygen mixture there, and then the yeah. top of the gasoline will just burn. Whereas if you light a balloon filled with hydrogen, the whole thing explodes instantly. Oh. Yes. Oh. Great. Yeah. By the way, okay. so do you remember Indiana Jones <laughs> where he's at the Nazi base camp in the desert and he yes. gets into the fight with that with big, huge list guy? Yes. And, mm. and the gasoline spills, yes. and then it ignites at one end? Right. Well, and then it works and its then way. And it works its way all the way through the, to the little snake. If that was the, a mm. line of hydrogen, the whole thing would just explode all at once. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a terrible scene. Yeah. That. Was- <laughs> yeah. I said, <laughs> another challenge. <You> think- <laughs> People, car enthusiasts in particular, like to look at hydrogen as a solution that is not electric cars. Um, and the, the, another big challenge with it, as we're talking about this volatility here, is that you have these tanks and they're at 10,000 PSI. That is what it is stored at in order to get enough hydrogen into a, you know, small enough space that it becomes useful. Again, we're still and by the way, way in rocket gasoline. launches, we don't, it's not even about the pressure. Yes. It's about cooling it. So they cool the hydrogen yes. until it liquefies. 
Now, a yes. liquid hydrogen is way denser than any gaseous hydrogen, even yes. at high pressure. But the, the, the rocket is plugged in to, to freezer uh, yes. um, uh, elements, uh, uh, elements uh, right until it's ready to launch. Wow. So that it yes. maintains. So that's, BMW that's why there was did ice this. falling off of it in Florida. Remember, you see the ice fall off on a launch. Yeah. That's why. Mm. Yep. That's why this is happening. So, so go on. So BMW actually did this. They had a liquid hydrogen car called the Hydrogen 7 in like 2007. Uh, the challenge is, as it's sitting in your garage, of course, that hydrogen starts to rise in temperature, right? So even though they had this really well-insulated uh, fuel tank, eventually you have to let that fuel out. So they said in about 12 days, you can lose your whole fuel tank. Oh. Which, like, we don't want that, yeah, right? That's, yeah, By the way, that's... I remember when they were parading that around, and they gifted me, I think yes. it's actually in my office, I have a, a one, um, a half liter canister of water, and it says BMW exhaust, and, and from <laughs> when they were parading around that, that 7. Because that was, it was based on their, on their Model 7, I what think. What a great marketing uh, team they yes, have. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, okay, Jason, we we've we've gone through hydrogen and we're kind of like coming up with a whole load of no yes as this is yes. so there must have, there must be this between situation there's another fossil fuel yeah is it the biofuels i mean formula 1 racing is going sustainable with its fuels really and yes. i think yeah, yeah. so wow. we're looking at 2026 they're going to have all sustainable fuels in their hybrid racing cars and i think by 2030 they're hoping he says that they'll be carbon neutral by 2030. Okay, so these so, will be this. So this will be Formula Two, not Formula One. Mm. <laughs> oh, thank you. Mm. So I mean, I mean, with sustainable fuels, are we at this uh, flux capacitor yeah, so, on our DeLorean? So we can are we just going to be it. putting we trash can in do this? it. We can, we can. essentially okay. make gasoline. Um, we can take hydrogen. We can take CO2, we can do some fancy chemistry, and we can create mm. gasoline without ever having taken anything, you know, out from the ground as far as fossil fuels. The challenge is it's very expensive and it takes a lot of energy. Right. So for a, a racing right. series like Formula One, that's no problem, right? They can spend $50 a gallon and they're not going to care. Porsche has mm. said recently that they think their current price per gallon of, uh, you know, a synthetic fuel that's made using these processes is about $40 a gallon. And they oh, want to get it down no to like... problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, we can say this, and if we can get it cheap, um, great. But you have to think about theoretical limits, like, right? Like, there is a certain amount of energy required to create that fuel. And that will always be greater than if you were to just take that energy and put it in a battery and then move the car. Right. So there are processes, maybe like airplanes, where, hey... We don't have the capacity to carry all this weight. Maybe we should go the synthetic route, even though it's less efficient from a total energy standpoint. It's green, so that's great. We didn't have you know, net emissions from it. Uh, but for things like cars, it's very challenging. At the risk of stating the obvious, the, the oil in the ground is, other than the cost to extract it, is basically free, free. energy. Nature it's sitting yes. there. Nature made mm. that energy density in the oil. Right, and you take it out, and it's ready to use. So, uh, I, so interesting you say that, Jason. That we have the ability to just basically make gasoline, but it, it takes more energy than the energy you'd get out of the gasoline you made. So, well, have the to be sun made sure. that the sun made that oil, but the sun is also available to us at all times. And I think the real uh, um, path forward is batteries and solar together. So. 
you know, mm-hmm. some 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 means of sustaining and increasing the the gain of a battery than yes. you know than burning something. This public service announcement brought to you by Chuck Nice. Thank you. You know how I feel. You know how I feel about fossil fuels. We all know know, how I feel about fossil fuels. (laughs) Before we get to Chuck's solution, there's ethanol e-fuels. I mean, yeah. What about uh, all that? What about all that? Yeah. So where are where are we with using them? Because they're used in Formula One and in IndyCar, but they use different uh, e-fuels. One is an E10. One is an E85. Yes. So what are what are the you know does this produce Chanel number no. 5 as a byproduct or water so, or what does so it these do? Are, these are challenging because if you if you look at what the people who make it say, you know, one perspective, they say this is 60% of the emissions uh talking about ethanol coming from corn here, this is 60% of the emissions as gasoline. So it's still a significant amount though a significant savings, you know, according to the best case of the industry that creates it. If you look at studies that have been done on what are the actual emissions, some say it's equal, if not higher, than gasoline. And and so there's this spectrum of, okay, maybe at best we do what? A 40% improvement using corn-based ethanol. There are better solutions. You don't have to use corn. You can use yeah, all kinds of different sugar, crops. Sugar is, a, sugar is much better than mm. corn anyway, but there's yes, all kinds of exactly. lobbying issues there because America makes corn. We don't make sugar. Yes. Yes, exactly. So we're starting from a problematic point because we've decided corn must be the way America does it. And unfortunately, it's not the best way to do it. Uh, the emissions will always be greater than other solutions. All right, we got to land this plane or park oh, before this car. we do, Neil. What? Before we do, let, let, there's something that's kind of an itch I need to scratch here. We talk about batteries. We talk about how we're going to make them lighter, how they can store more, how they can do this, how we can weigh less, etc. But what are we doing with disposal? Because these things are packed full of rare earth minerals, right? And we're going to just tip them into a landfill site and walk away. Because we solving one problem while we create another. So where are we going forward with this? Sorry to sort of You sound delay. like you're blaming <laughs> Jason for it, man. No, 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 no. I, I, like, like I said, this is a curiosity. Yeah, I have, Jason. You know, got, what's, Jason. What's up, man? What's up what's with your, that? What's no, your problem, problem, bro? All right. If, if you've like got a connecting putting poison flight. into soil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you've yeah, got no, a connecting I think, flight, I'm sorry, but we're circling the airport now before this baby lands. Go. So what's No, what's I, think, I think it's a great point, and I feel like it should be discussed more, and I feel like it's one of those things where it's just like, Oh, like we can ignore that uh, because EVs is so new and we don't have a, an insane quantity of dead EV battery packs just sitting there useless, right? Um, I don't, I don't know from a chemistry standpoint if there are super hard changes that occur within the battery, but to the best of my knowledge, the, all the elements are still in there, right? Yeah, I think so. so. It's, That's it's fair. Currently, mostly a matter of cost. Uh, is is it worth doing? And we like to historically do things based purely on cost and disregard any other factors. And you can put shift the cost to the environment and say, well, the environment got screwed, but I saved a dollar. So I, I would prefer to see that we do this the right way, right? And we recycle all of these. Uh, and I don't think, again, it's it's that easy to just throw your electric car battery yeah, in the I, trash. I was going to say- You're not going to just pick at, it up. As this scales, I think what we'll see is that battery collection and battery recycling- becomes a business and an industry in itself. Yes. And when the profit yes. presents itself in that industry, those problems will almost take care of themselves because somebody will be making money, even if it is the actual yeah. battery company manufacturers. But somebody, whether it's a secondary market or the battery manufacturers themselves or the end user 
in terms of recouping costs, somebody's going to make money somewhere, and that's where you'll see incentives. Yes. Because Chuck Nice for a city, battery. city council. Chuck Nice is running for city council. <laughs> well, you can think of that battery as like a concentrated solution of all the elements you need to make batteries. So from that standpoint, it's like, this is very valuable. It has all the stuff that I want. Right. And there are small companies today that are doing this process and trying to split the minerals and then reselling them. And one other point that was left un unnoted, that we, we seem to forget that the act of making an electric car does itself have a carbon footprint. So true. And that's not often folded into what it is people say they're saving for so having true. done so. So true. Yeah, I, we got we, we to end it there. Jason, oh, it's been a delight to have you on good this. Good stuff. Thank you for having me. Hey, Jason. Jason, really man. appreciate it. We, we can't make this the end of our conversations about this because cars are endlessly Perfect. fascinating. They're past, present, and future. And that's where your, 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 your head is up under the hood, if not in the hood. And that's good enough for us. <laughs> Thank so, you so much. Really appreciate y'all having me. You got it. All right, Chuck, Gary, we got to call it quits there. Always so, a pleasure. pleasure. Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson here for a Star Talk Sports Edition. This one was up under the hood, how cars work, basically, uh, with our special guest, Jason Fenske. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Keep looking at me.